Welcome to Listen, St. Benedict Speaks Today, a discussion of the rule of St. Benedict with the Sisters of Mount St. Scholastica in Atchison, Kansas. I'm Sister Molly Brockwell. And I'm novice Jennifer Halling. And our guest today is Sister Cecilia Olson, who has been a member of Mount St. Scholastica for more than 50 years. Sister Cecilia is currently involved in various ministries, including team teaching a course on Benedictine spirituality at Benedictine College and teaching a novitiate class on the rule of St. Benedict. Hello to all our listeners. I look forward to exploring the rule of St. Benedict with you. Today, we will be discussing verses 8 to 10 of the prologue to the rule of St. Benedict. Jennifer, would you read that for us? Sure. Verses 8 to 10 of the prologue read as follows. Let us get up then at long last, for the scriptures rouse us when they say, it is high time for us to arise from sleep. Romans 13:11. Let us open our eyes to the light that comes from God and our ears to the voice from heaven that every day calls out this charge. If you hear his voice today, do not harden your hearts. Psalm 94, verse 8. Sister Cecilia, what leads us to be sleepy in our spiritual lives? An image that comes to me with that question was fog. A fog creeps in very gradually, and our awareness of what really matters can get lost and shrouded in a mental mist. And I think there's many factors that can lead us to sleepy spiritual lives. Two that occurred to me, one is when we try to do it all. I think we juggle many schedules, we wear many hats, we multitask, and our focus becomes checking off items on a to-do list. And when we try to maintain this pace, we find ourselves not only physically fatigued, but mentally and spiritually as well, because our lives become out of balance. One of the treasures of monastic life is the element of living a balanced life, one that integrates prayer and work and leisure into our daily schedule. Of course, that doesn't mean it happens automatically. In a monastery, we too can become very consumed with our to-do list, but we do have a built-in horarium, a schedule that provides the opportunity for living with some semblance of balance, which ideally would help us to live more spiritually awake. Uh, a second reason I thought it that leads us to leave, lead spiritual sleepy lives is is when we hand over huge chunks of time to technology. Mm -hmm. There's only so many hours each day, and all those emails and tweets and Snapchats and video games, search engines, I know, they keep us glued to the screen and they eat up a lot of time, and something has to give. This constant drive to either stay in touch or stay informed 
I think it can lead to a restlessness and a numbness and in some cases a hopelessness or a helplessness. In a sense, our devices end up controlling us rather than we controlling them. Benedict and Michael Casey, he says that we live in sensory overload. <laughs> and, and we know that the time given to these devices takes away from our interaction with others and our interaction with God. So um, I think those are two factors that, that can contribute to a sleepy spiritual life. So I guess periodically we need to stop and look at what's consuming our time, what are our priorities, and if they contribute to strengthening our spiritual life or weakening. I think we can all relate to that issue of trying to do it all, and I'm just wondering if you can think of a time in your own life where you felt like, I just there's something in my life I just need to drop in order to have a more balanced life. Yes, and I think my, one of mine was the technology device, the emails, and feeling I had to respond to everybody's note to me immediately. And it led into really an inner turmoil for me because I couldn't do that and then have my time for Lexio and mm -hmm. visiting with my sisters. So I, technology was a one for me. It's interesting that you, you noticed that inner turmoil and then were able to respond to it. It, it takes a deliberate choice um, and an honesty with yourself. Very true. So why does St. Benedict have such a sense of urgency in, in verses 8 to 10? I love that question. I think, um, you know, we don't have a biography of Benedict. We have his rule, we have the dialogues, but when you, when you study both of those, there's a lot you can learn about the man behind the rule and behind the dialogues. And I, I think Benedict was the kind of person who was very intense. I think he was passionate about life, uh, far from lukewarm. He was uh, not just a drifter, not half-hearted. And I think he lived a life wanting to jumpstart our batteries, our <laughs> spiritual batteries, mm. you know, to wake us up to the essentials of, if the gospel is our guide, then we need to respond. And it takes all, all, everything we have. Um, I think Benedict would have loved that line. Remember the movie Dead, Dead Poet Society? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where the teacher tells the students, carpe diem, seize the day. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's what Benedict believed, that life was to be lived with that mindfulness, not to sleepwalk through life. Um, he's choosing Psalm 94 as a morning invitatory. That was deliberate. That's mm -hmm. not in the rule of the master. He says, if you hear his voice today, you know, that's carpe diem, that sees the day. And mm -hmm. every morning, that was supposed to be a reminder, here's another opportunity to wake up our hearts. And, you know, um, in chapter four, Benedict says, keep death daily before your eyes, which at first reading people think that sounds morbid. But I think that was Benedict's way of saying, seize the day. We're on a journey. Um, our ultimate destination is literally out of this world. Mm -hmm. 
And so wake up now. This is not, as a poster I read years ago, this is your life, it's not a dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that was what Benedict meant, with keep death daily before your eyes. Or St. Paul, when he said, it's high time to rise from sleep. So that urgency, I think, was just a part of, of how Benedict approached and lived life. And it comes out in countless ways in his rule. So, you know, um, our world today is so full of, of many different noises and um, the clamor uh, around us. So how can we discern the voice of God speaking in the midst of all of this noise? First of all, I'm, I'm, I'm going to share an image I thought of with that noisy world. It's one that, um, I don't know where I first heard it, but a glass of water and you take a spoonful of dirt and you drop it in there and you stir it up and it's just swirling around and you can't, you can't see through the glass. And to me that's a picture of our noisy world where everything is happening all around us. And on any given day that could be my, an image for me, that things are swirling. And it's only when I set when I sit down, just like when I set that glass down, I let the dirt settle, and then I can begin to see through the glass. I need to allow myself to settle down. So your question, how can we discern the voice of God speaking? I think silence is essential. It's one of the best ways to discern the voice of God speaking. It's when we stop speaking and start listening. Um, again, Benedict, first word of the, of the world, as we know, is listen. Listen with the ear of your heart. That's when we exhale and then we just are still. Be still and know that I'm God. Our college in town has a, various places on campus where you can eat. And one of, one of the places which I don't like the name at all, it's called Grab and Go. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it, to me, it just contributes to that. It feeds, pardon the pun, mm. into that mentality of constantly, you know, don't even mm. have time to eat. You just grab and go. Mm. And it, we, we all grew up with, well, I did, hearing so many times, you know, don't just stand there, do something. Mm-hmm. And I think to discern the voice of God, we need to, we need to do just the opposite. Don't just do something, stand there. Um, I also remember my novice director, Sister Emma Jean Baker, a wonderful woman. And from the get-go, she said, be where you are and do what you're doing. And I thought, that's simple, that's easy, <laughs> I can do that. I'm still struggling with it. Mm-hmm. It's that stillness of just being in the now. Imogene has been mm-hmm. mentioned in uh, other weeks, too, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Her wisdom con- continues to instruct us to this day. She was ahead of her time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're currently in the season of Lent when we often hear about harden not your heart, as Benedict uh, refers to in the prologue. So what practices can help us soften our hardened hearts? Again, I first think of an image with these questions and the rocky ground. Mm-hmm. We think of the parable of the sower. And, and the soil, only if it's tilled and turned over and plowed, 
and pierced is the soil going to soften and offer a foundation for growth and I think in monastic life the word we often hear is compunction which is allowing the heart to be pierced living the paschal mystery dying to ourself our selfishness our self-centeredness so you know what are these practices well Saint Benedict in the rule he says the first criteria for a novice is does she really seek God so if we desire to turn our hearts to God then that will lead us to asking what do I need to do so first I think we need to ask is our desire there do we really seek God um, I think Benedict would would challenge somebody entering monastic life with saying if you came if you don't want to change why are you here hmm. so too with the life of a Christian if I don't want to change I'm saying no to any kind of growth um, so practices I, I think one that occurred to me just this morning at Eucharist we had a wonderful reading Jonah being sent to the Nineveh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Part of the reading talks about God changed God's mind and relented. Mm-hmm. The whole image of a second chance of forgiveness. So I think the first practice that comes to me for Lent is looking within and saying, who do I need to make peace with? Is there someone that I'm not that I'm unreconciled with, that I need to extend forgiveness to or accept their apology. It works both ways. Who do I need to give another chance to? And in what ways do I need a second chance? Mm-hmm. Um, there's always the, the three Lenten practices, prayer, almsgiving, and fasting. Um, I, think, I, I think a wonderful Lenten practice is taking an extra five to ten minutes of silence in your day. And you're not necessarily reading, you're just breathing and listening and being still. I would also suggest maybe take the gospel of the day and a sentence or a word and sit with that and let it let it turn over in your heart. Uh, perhaps fasting, but not that's not just always from food. It could be fasting from my emailing. Uh, it could be fasting from my judgmentalism. But something that I want to try and cut back in my life. Certainly almsgiving, which it doesn't have to mean that I'm going out. It could be right at home. I'm going to give myself more to my family, to my sisters, be more present at meals or... Um, visiting my neighbor next door who's elderly and I just wave every day but go over and sit and talk to them and I think another great Lenten practice is gratitude to live every day mindful that each day is a gift and even at the end of the day some you've probably heard this before I'd like to do it is just sit there and, and thank God for three things that were wonderful that day or that were gifts mm-hmm. I think that's a wonderful Lenten practice to I forget who said you know if the only prayer we say is thank you it would be enough mm-hmm. so 
Those are some Lenten practices, I think. Those are great suggestions. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in the the prologue, there's that verse that says, "Let us open our eyes to the light which comes from God." Mm-hmm. How would our lives change if we truly opened our eyes to the light which comes from God? Well, I was thinking it'd be like getting a new prescription on my glasses. Mm. <laughs> you know, things would just look a lot a lot clearer if I opened my eyes, really opened my eyes to who God is in my life. For one thing, I would live in much greater trust because I'd let go of control. I'd know God is in charge and Cecilia's not. Um, and living in that kind of trust would certainly lead to less anxiety and worry. So I think I think opening myself up to the fact that God is God and I am not. Maybe that's basically living with a humble heart. I read once, and I don't know who said it, but I love it. It says, it said, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. Mm. And Lent, I think, calls us to clean off the lenses of our hearts to wipe away the dust and the grime of anger or cynicism or apathy and to turn away what keeps us in that spiritual fog and to begin to see things as they are, not as we are. We're just one little piece, but looking at the reality of life as a gift. And I think that only happens when we take time again for silence and prayer and whatever other practices for each of us to decide that clouds our vision. So we need to remove the specks from our spectacles. There you go. (laughs) That's great. I like that very much. Oh, well, with that, we probably need to close for today. Thank you very much, Sister Cecilia, for sharing your insights with us. Listen, St. Benedict Speaks Today is a production of Mount St. Scholastica in Atchison, Kansas. Production assistance was provided by Mary Manicki. The translation of the rule of St. Benedict that we used in this podcast is RB1980, published by Liturgical Press. Our theme music was composed by Sister Susan Barber and was performed by the Sisters of Mount St. Scholastica. We invite you to learn more about the Mount community by visiting our website at www.mountosb.org. Thank you for listening.